please listen carefully. And welcome in, everyone. You're listening to the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Heard. Today, today I wanted to do the first uh, first episode in a series I've been thinking about for a while now. A, a series on some of the what-if moments in NBA history. So this is often um, some of the biggest decisions that were made in the history of the NBA. Uh, not as much on-court things. You know, I'm not going to be talking about uh, Jordan's shot over Elo. That's, that's not... Not necessarily what I'm talking about in this case. I'm talking about more uh, free agency decision, a, a trade being made, a um, you know, a, a rule change, a change in the league office. Um, you know, uh, so, something like cap smoothing would be perfect for this series. I mean, then that's you know that that's a good example. So the, the idea is, you know, we're looking at what if, what if this thing that either happened or didn't happen, this decision that was made in NBA history, whether you know, whether it was made by not being made, um, you don't make a decision on something that there's a decision to be made on. Well, you still made a decision. You chose not to act. Um, I wanted to examine some of these, some of the biggest, uh, and some of these aren't necessarily the biggest. They're just ones that I, you know, find entertaining or are maybe more recent and I think are, are worth analyzing in more of a current context. But it's, it, I, I just think it's fun, um, to go back and sort of look at these historical historical you know decisions that were made, but just in general the history of the league, and analyze well what could have happened. I mean, and I think um, so. I'm going to go ahead and hop into it. this this first episode. We're going to be talking about Gordon Hayward. What if in the 2017 offseason Gordon Hayward had not signed with the Boston Celtics? And I think. This is a really interesting one to start with because obviously there's a huge confounding factor here. And that's Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward broke his leg in the first game of his Celtics career. Now, when we talk about that, it happened. I mean, it, it was it's part of our history. But in this sort of circumstance, when we're going back we're le- we're almost relitigating the past. We are, you know, I, I prefer not to think of it that way. I th- I like to think of it as we're looking at a fictional scenario. You know, this is a this is a fictional, um, history. It's it's a fictional fictional version of our history that theoretically could have occurred, uh, but didn't. But didn't. Um, you know, in some alternate universe, it could have easily occurred. It was feasible. Um. And I think it's worth going back and looking at those and sort of examining, okay, well, if we go down this path, what could have happened? You know, that gives us an idea of, it gives us comparison, you know, it gives us something to compare the present to. Well, what could this have been? And I think you have to be careful not to go back and say, oh, well, you should have done X or, oh, why didn't you do Y? Well, you know, sometimes it's difficult to decipher the reasons people did things because, the reasons were, you know, obvious in the present, so nobody really talked about it, and there's no record of it, and we all, as a collective, have a very short memory. We like to forget things 
very quickly. So I, I think sometimes it's worth going, and you know, in this example, I think it's worth looking at this case. Um, and and you know, so so I think obviously, like I said, so Gordon Hayward got injured. He broke his leg. That's history. That happened. There's a hundred percent chance that it occurred. I mean, it's just one of those things. At the same time, if you were able to calculate the probability the day before Hayward broke his leg, if, if you were able to calculate the probability that Hayward was going to suffer a catastrophic injury that put him out for a season, a full season, and held him to being a you know, inconsistent, pretty poor at times, you know, just unable to gel with a team role player for a second year, um, I don't think the odds of that happening would have been very high. This, is, this isn't a case where he was playing way too many minutes and his body was just being run ragged and he didn't, he, it's not like this was a degenerative, you know, condition that he'd been dealing with or, you know, something genetical he's genetically disposed to. He's got unlucky broke his leg, you know, he fell on, fell on, I, I can't remember, it was during the Cavs game, he fell on someone, you know, um, or, or landed on someone's foot, it, it happens, it sucks, but it happens, uh, but it doesn't happen very often, I would say the odds, and it's not like there was any particular reason Hayward had to get injured the first game of that season, so I think when you go back, and, you know, since we're relitigating the past anyways, um, I, I think it's worth considering what if he hadn't been injured. Uh, and at the very least, you know, even more so, I just don't think it's responsible to, to predict if he had been injured. Um, well, I don't know if I'd say responsible. I don't think it would be as fun to predict if he had been injured. At the same time, though, I just, you know, I, I, I feel more comfortable trying to say this is how an NBA team would play and gel together than trying to predict, like, injuries and, like, how injuries recover. I mean, that's... You know, that I don't know. So it's not like I know anything about basketball compared to the great minds of basketball. But I don't know anything in medicine compared to, like, the awful minds in medicine. So um, I'm going to hold my tongue in that respect. But, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to go ahead and launch into it. I feel like I've, I've dilly-dallied enough. Let's talk about Gordon Hayward, the player uh, before 2017, before that offseason where he left the Utah Jazz. So prior to that, uh, Gordon Hayward was a two-year student at Butler University in Indiana. Uh, his coach, Brad Stevens, is now his professional professional coach at the Celtics. Uh, I, think, I think Stevens probably left uh, maybe the same year as Hayward. If not, it was a couple years after. You know, so, so Hayward... Um, by by the time the 2017 offseason rolled around, Steve, Stevens had been the coach of the Cav, uh, sorry, the coach of the Celtics for a few few years. Um, Hayward was a productive player. You know, started every game both years. One of those guys, kind of like Doug McDermott at Creighton, who's just you know iconic. He just represents the franchise, um, <laughs> the college. Sorry, um, you know, uh, Jimmer Fredette at BYU. Uh, Carmelo at Syracuse, Dwayne Wade and Marquette, you know, so like these are the guys that define the school. Um, like Gordon Hayward is that guy for Butler. Gordon Hayward, combined with Brad Stevens, you gotta you gotta give him some cred to be sure. 
they, they put Butler on the map. Butler was, you know, they're certainly a known commodity nowadays. You know, it's been 10 years, so it's like they're just sort of part of the basketball culture at this point. And I'm sure they had some good seasons. I bet they were in the tournament a bunch prior, but, you know, they were um, never never a contender for a title. Um, but this the, the uh, Gordon Hayward's sophomore year, they <laughs> were a title contender. They had a really good season. They ended up as the five seed in the March Madness tournament, won their way all the way to the title game against Duke, where Gordon Hayward was a rimmed out three quarters of the uh, three quarters of the court shot away from beating the Blue Devils. Um, unfortunately, they did fall, and Hayward declared for the draft. Uh, he was picked up with the ninth overall pick by the Utah Jazz. The Jazz had actually acquired that pick from the Knicks. Uh, they were actually a pretty good team. They were not, you know, not a ninth overall pick type of team. The previous year, in fact, they had finished with 53 wins. Um, this year, though, Gordon Hayward's first year on the Jazz, they weren't as good. Finished 39 and 43. Uh, Jerry Sloan left partway through the season. It was, it was, it was um, they, so they had a good season at first really fell off in the back end. Um, Gordon Hayward was able to come in, though, and his first year was able to play some games. you got to imagine he probably was starting a lot towards the end. Started 17 games. I bet they were all in uh, all in the spring months. Um, but again, you know, played 17 minutes, was, was, was a part of the team, to be certain, um, which is impressive for a rookie, you know, especially, I mean, he was a sophomore, a 20, 20-year-old guy. Uh, and, and again, this was the, you know, this is the Darren Williams team. You know, Darren, uh, Derek Favors, uh, AK-47s on this team. Yeah, Al Jefferson, Paul Millsap. And this is, this is a, this is a very good team. Um, they struggled, obviously, Hayward's rookie year, though. Uh, the, 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 the Jazz did make the playoffs in 2011-12, uh, but were quickly dispatched in four games. That was a pretty ugly series. Um, Gordon did not make it back to the playoffs for a few years. I'm pretty sure Darren, Deron, Darren Williams was traded after the, probably after the 11-12 season. I'd have to look it up. Um, but he was traded, you know, around this time. So it kind of became, um, I don't know if it became right away Gordon's team. It took a couple of years for him to really establish that, but it, it was open. Um, I, you know. By age 23, he was scoring 16 a game. Uh, 24, 25, he's putting up 19 a game, playing, you know, almost the whole season. Uh, putting up five assists a game and uh, in 13, 14. So he was, he was, he definitely had sort of cemented himself as a star of the team. Uh, definitely by 2016, 17. That was the year he actually made the All Star team. Um, he. Bumped his scoring average up to almost 22 a game, 3.5 assists, uh, and you know five rebounds to go along with it. I mean, he was you know shooting it well, 50% from two, uh, almost 40% from three, 84% from the line. It's just a really you know 35 minutes a game too. He's a really productive player on a, on a solid Jazz team. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a team. I think they were the they were probably the five seed. Um, so, I mean, they were a solid team. I don't think anyone necessarily expected them to win the playoffs, especially not when they got matched up. Um, and again, this is the year 16, 17, where, 
the uh, the, the Warriors had just formed with Kevin Durant. Um, this f- the first round of these playoffs, the Utah Jazz as a five seed got matched up with the number four seed L.A. Clippers, uh, possibly reminiscent of this year's L.A. Clippers getting the four seed. But um, uh, but they matched up with the L.A. Clippers, who remember this was you know like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan all still there. Uh, Chris Paul is 31, Blake's 27, 26 maybe, uh, DJ's 28, JJ Redick is there. Um, Utah Utah wins that series. Utah takes that team to seven games and pulls it out. Um, and I think you'd certainly have to give a lot of credit to the team around Utah, around Hayward for stepping up. Um, but again, I mean, the guy put up, he had a 40-point game and a loss um, in their third game. Had a 27-point game, a 31-point game. You know, I mean, he was he he was their star. He was their star, um, and beat a he he beat I mean a dynasty, what should have been a dynasty. I don't know if the Clippers will really go down as a dynasty because they never won, but it should have been a dynasty. And he put the final nail in the coffin. Remember, this was the final postseason that Chris Paul had with the Clippers uh, after this run he was traded to the Rockets per his request um, but I mean, Utah ended that dynasty um, and Gordon Hayward was a big part of that unfortunately in the next round they matched up with the Golden State Warriors who promptly dispatched them in four games um, that was a they didn't get within 10 points uh, by the end of any game Golden State won the last game by 26. I mean, Hayward was solid, put up his points. He was really efficient this postseason. Let's see. He missed, what, is that four foul shots the entire postseason out of, you know, maybe 45 or 55? Really good from the three-point line for the most part. Had two four of eight games against the Clippers. Um, I just all around a good good playoffs for him. I think this is a, you know, real breakout season of sorts. I mean, I, I, not even of sorts. I mean, he made an all-star team. He he averaged 25 points a game against the the Clippers in that series. And to be fair, I mean, I didn't really have anyone to guard him because, you know, it's either, I mean, I, I think about their stars, you know. Maybe you put Chris Paul on him. He's the best one unless Blake Griffin's going to try to defend him. And Blake's never really been a, Never really been a guy that cards guys like Gordon Hayward. Um, or guys that play basketball. He's more just a... Uh, but Blake kind of tries sometimes. I don't, I don't want to be too critical on him. Um, uh, but that brings us to the 2017 offseason. Uh, Hayward had just been swept out of the playoffs by the Warriors. Warriors had just formed, too. So it's, it's tough to imagine... Um, it's tough to imagine now thinking that there was no end in sight and that the Warriors were going to dominate forever. But, I mean, it was just last year that the Warriors felt inevitable that we just assumed they are going to win the title and it felt like same old, same old. You know, no one really believed Kevin Durant was going to the Nets. Maybe the Knicks. I mean, I don't think I ever really believed it was the Knicks. It seemed a little crazy, but the Clippers always made sense to me. Um... 
But I mean, it was it was not long ago that we were just assuming this was inevitable. In the first year, remember that first year was the uh, this sixteen and one run by the Warriors. They lost a single game in that playoffs. And that was in the finals to the Cavs. They just were utterly, utterly dominant. Um, and you can imagine that would be somewhat, somewhat demoralizing if you are a 26-year-old first-time All-Star playing in Salt Lake City that is looking at the uh, possibility of having to get swept by the Warriors every single year for this foreseeable future. I mean, that's tough. So... Hayward hits free agency. Um, I believe he... So Hayward was a guy, uh, after his four-year rookie contract expired, the... Uh, sorry. The Jazz uh, did not end up offering... So I guess they probably negotiated on a contract extension, but Hayward, Gordon Hayward, wanted a max contract extension. And given he was putting up 16 points a game, uh, five rebounds, his... At age 23, in his fourth year, 36 minutes a game as well. And he was certainly the, um, he, he seemed to be the the future of their team. At the very least, he was a max caliber player. Given the max um, back in 2013-14 was something like 15-16 million a year. Um, so, not the max of today. Uh, he's not, We're not talking the 27 million or so the cat's making. Um, or, you know, 30 million, whatever it is. We're talking like 15, 16 million. And again, the cap was lower, but still easier to stomach. Um, the, the Jazz, though, decided they were going to make him earn it, make him go out on the restricted free agent market and get that offer. Um, I mean, if Utah, if Utah wanted to, they could have locked him up for five years on a max contract. Um, that would have taken him into the 18-19 season, so last season, making probably something like $18 million a year. Um, I think in retrospect, that was probably a massive mistake. And again, this is the sort of situation where it comes in, you would say, oh yeah, but Gordon Hayward injured his leg in 17-18, so missed two years. Yeah, but like, that shouldn't have happened. I, I mean, obviously, if you get into that situation, you fall on someone's foot, yes, uh, you know, physiologically, that is the action that is going to occur. I mean that if you look at the data, if you think about the numbers, the odds of that occurred are less than 50%, right? Uh, sorry, not the odds of that occurred. Uh, if you were able to calculate the odds, the second before the, uh, sorry, a, a minute before the injury occurred, what are his odds of suffering a catastrophic injury that ruins his next two years? Um, it's under 50%, right? It's under 50%. Substantially under fifty percent. You know, you are not more likely so, to suffer a career-altering, uh, you know, season-ending injury than you are to not suffer that injury. That would be insane. No one would play basketball. That would be, yeah, we would just be watching the injury report. That that's ridiculous. Um, and if that is the case, then I just think there's no reason to go back. And if I'm looking at, you know, different possibilities of what could have happened, why would I assume? than an act that had, like, a minuscule chance of happening would happen. Why, why would I assume that Hayward is going to suffer a completely random, out-of-the-blue injury that has nothing to do with, you know, anything that can be quantified? It's, it's not... It was, it, was, it was chance. It was a chance uh, injury. So 
and again, I'm harping on this, it just feels like an issue that if this podcast was actually big, would come up, um, where people would, people would be concerned, people would be like, yeah, you can't just, you know, remove his injury from the past, well, you know what, I am, so deal with it, um, so we are going to, obviously, explain away his injury, let's go back, uh, so, to, to finish out that point I was making, I was talking about his, uh, so, Hayward could have been offered that max contract extension off his rookie deal by the Jazz. Would have been paying him out, you know, sub $20 million last year. Uh, and he would have been a unrestricted free agent this past offseason for the Jazz. Unfortunately, though, they made him go get it on the market. Unfortunately for them, that is. Uh, because Hayward did get it. He did prove it. He went and he got a max uh, offer sheet from the Charlotte Hornets. They offered him a max contract of four years with a player option on the fourth year. So a three plus one deal. Uh, the Jazz matched the deal, but after three years, he had a player option. So he declined the option because he was going to be able to make over $10 million more in free agency. Plus, you can imagine uh, <laughs> not being willing to commit to a guy who rightfully sees himself as the face of your franchise is not uh, not necessarily a way to endear yourself to him. So I think people were certainly eyeing a Hayward. I mean, I remember, I remember at the time, you know, I was I was certainly reading articles and paying attention to the NBA around this time. This was again, this was this is the first season with KD. This was you know the NBA was huge this year. It, you know, and the past year. Uh, the past year being the 15-16 season with the 72-win Warriors. Sorry, 73-win Warriors. 72 wins is for scrubs. But I, but I remember there had been, you know, people talking about, oh, yeah, Hayward's going to want to go team up with his old coach for, you know, a year at that point, if not longer. Be people had certainly been discussing the idea that Hayward would want to reunite with his old coach. And certainly as free agency came closer, I think that idea probably magnified now, there was certainly an idea, I think, for a little bit that, well, you, you know, if, if you you win a playoff series, he's probably not going to leave, right? I mean, that's what more can you really ask for? You lost to the Warriors. It's not like you lost to the, the Hawks. Uh, yeah, that's right, Hawks. You're my new bad team that I'm using as an example. Step it up. Uh, back, to, back to our featured story. <laughs> um, so I think... You know, Gordon, going into the summer, it, it was pretty clear that his free agency was going to be a process. It was not going to be, it had not been decided. Um, it, it was not, or if it had, it was not going to be Utah. Um, he was not just going to come back to Utah. There was not going to be, there was not going to be no drama. Uh, there was going to be some drama. So what ended up happening, though, a little more drama than I think uh, anyone would have wanted. So, a few days into free agency, uh, on July 4th, the same date Kevin Durant, uh, a year before, had announced his decision to go to the Golden State Warriors, it was reported by Chris Haynes that the deal for Gordon Hayward to go to the Celtics was a done deal. Uh, that was widely accepted as truth. You know, a lot of congratulations sent. You know, I think Ricky Rubio probably tweeted something after it. Um, but the... Uh, the very soon after, uh, Woj tweeted that that was not the case. 
Um, and several other reporters tweeted out that the teams involved, Boston, Miami, Utah, had not heard. Oh, I don't think I said that. Yeah, the three options on the table were Boston, Miami, and Utah. So none of the three teams had heard uh, anything from Hayward. It sounded like maybe it was a little, uh, you know, jump the gun. And then his agent, Mark Bartlestein, I believe, uh, made an announcement that after today's uh, after the events of today, they were going to have to go back and reevaluate things. Um, <laughs> it was just a whole ordeal, and it made it seem as if um, Hayward was planning to go to Boston, but the fact that it at least had made him reconsider, uh, and that I think that gave a ton of Utah fans hope that, well, he doesn't trust the Celtics anymore. Maybe he's going to come back. Um, eventually, though, Hayward did publish a piece on the Players' Tribune announcing that he would indeed be going to the Celtics. Um, I don't think it was met with a very positive reception. I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of people annoyed that Hayward turned this into. Uh, I mean, pretty much they they called Chris Haynes a liar. They they sort of said this guy's or the, his sources were incorrect. Um, Calling, you know, say said he was bad at his job. They said he was incorrect, and it turned out they were lying. So, I mean, that's a little tough to stomach. Um, I, I I do empathize to an extent with Hayward. I think this decision should be one that you can orchestrate. Um, but hey, I, I think we're pretty sure the leak came within his camp. It wasn't. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the Celtics because the Celtics didn't know. They hadn't been informed. So it was someone within Hayward's camp, or at least someone they had trusted, um, that had made this mistake. So, yeah, you gotta, you know, take care of your own. Um, it was, it was a little, it was, it was very bizarre. It was very bizarre. But in the end, Gordon Hayward did end up on Boston. Uh, ended up uh, playing for that team. Obviously, he's there still today. Signed that five-year max with a. Sorry, four-year max with a player option at the end. Uh, he'll, he will almost guaranteedly be play, picking up that player option at the end of this year. Although, you know, if he really played well, uh, he is only 29 years old. If, if he looked completely reinvigorated by the end of the year, it's not impossible that he would de decline that option. Uh, now, though, now, now is the time for some relitigation. So we saw, obviously, Hayward decided to go to Boston. And again, the injury occurred. I don't think anyone could or should have predicted that. If, again, if you predicted that injury, that was a terrible prediction. Because um, unless you were predicting it about two seconds before the injury occurred, when you could see he was about to land on the guy's foot, there was no evidence that should have led you to predict that. So, uh, you know, predicting in the pro projecting these fictional pasts forward, I'm not going to project that injury. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. But the first situation I want to look at, well, what if Gordon Hayward stays in Utah? What if he decides, you know, maybe maybe I'm just better off staying here at home, staying with the team that's brought me this far. Got Rudy Gobert. We've got Derek Favors. Got Joe Ingles. You know, we've got we've got the 13th pick in this next year's draft. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a superstar. <laughs> who knows who they'll pick? 
I, I don't think it was a I don't think it was necessarily a bad pitch. I think again, I touched on it. I think the idea that the Warriors are in the conference and they're just dominating for the foreseeable future, that was probably tough to swallow. That may have been the biggest factor in getting Hayward to leave, other than, you know, I'm sure he really wanted to go play with Brad Stevens. Um I you know, he, he, he played butler he played at Butler, he was on the East Coast originally. I mean, I, I'm not sure if he grew up on the East Coast, probably though. Um I, I would imagine so. But this would have been really interesting to see. Um obviously uh the the Jazz did end up picking Donovan Mitchell with that thirteenth overall pick. Uh runner up for rookie of the year. Mitchell already Mitchell put up twenty points a game in his rookie year. Um I don't think I realized it was that level. You know, 50% shooting from two, 34% shooting from three, put up 3.7 assists as well on uh, you know on 2.7 turnovers. But, I mean, he was a productive player. The team won 50, uh, 53 games. 53 games. And if, and if you remember, uh, the Jazz actually, that offseason, before Hayward left, uh, had made a trade for point guard Ricky Rubio over on the Timberwolves. I can't remember what that trade was for. I think it was, maybe maybe it was just the first round pick. Maybe maybe they had some, uh, maybe it was just some salary. But I mean, this was a team that looked looked like he could be good. Um, I think there was a lot of hope that Hayward would return because this was a team that certainly looked very, very promising. Maybe they're not going to be a title contender, but hey, that's because they're building around Gordon Hayward. That's not because they don't have the good pieces. Um, if they were building around LeBron James, <sighs> that's probably a title contender. That is a title contender. Sorry. With LeBron James, I mean, if you have a team of, you know, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio, Rodney Hood, uh, you know, Jonas Drebko was even like a decent backup. Uh, if you have that team, that team with LeBron James is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a really, really good team. You know, with, with Gordon Hayward, it's not going to be as good. But, you know, in retrospect, um, I think looking back, this could have easily been a, a high 50s win team. Um, and when you look at it, a lot of the Jazz's losses were by, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 points. They weren't necessarily losing a bunch of close games where they just needed a finisher, you know, a closer, like you would hope Hayward would be able to be. Although it's not like he was always, uh, he wasn't, I mean, he was, he was, he was the closer, but it, that wasn't necessarily where his uh, mark was the most made. He's more, you know, more of an, uh, more, of a, more of a facilitator. He likes to be a part of running the offense. Um, and that's more something that goes over the course of a game than, you know, one specific shot, but I think it's really interesting. Uh, I want to think about first. I want to talk about the the seventeen eighteen playoffs. Um, this is I, I don't know maybe maybe bittersweet, maybe even just sweet memory for Jazz fans. Uh, they were able to win the first playoff series in a while in probably you know close to a decade. Um, Defeating the Paul George, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony triumvirate in Oklahoma City. 
beat him in six games. Didn't even let him take it to a seventh. It was, you know, obviously it's just an incredibly memorable series. We we saw Joe Ingles with one of the most iconic playoff performances of modern memory, you almost think. Just the way he got into the head of Paul George will, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like scripture for the, uh, the, that type of player, the, I don't know, enforcer type, um, you know, the guy that gets under your skin. I mean, it was just, it, it was a masterful display of <laughs> mind games, uh, I guess would be the way to put it. So they were able to win that series, you know, without Gordon Hayward. I certainly wouldn't imagine adding Gordon Hayward would hurt, so you chalk that up to a win. I think what you actually would say is probably win more in the regular season, right? Um, that, that That's really what happens. They win more in the regular season. Um, but, but again, I mean, you know, they won their first-round matchup. They beat Oklahoma City. That's really dang impressive. Um, I think if they had Gordon Hayward... Maybe it's a five-game series. Probably still a six-game series. I mean, I can't imagine it gets that much closer. Um, I mean, can you really tell me that putting Gordon Hayward in there and taking a few minutes away from, uh, you know, Ingles and... Well, well actually, I, so I just pulled up one of the box scores. They've got 19 minutes to Jay Crowder, 13 to Royce O'Neal, and 12 minutes to Joe, uh, Joe Drebko. So, you know what? If, if you have a... If you if you have Gordon Hayward in there, I, I mean your team's gonna be amazing. Like that's that's six really good starter level players. Um, and you gotta remember Rubio. So he hit five of eight from this game. This is I think game two. Um, he was on fire that game. He had like a thirty point game I think at some point. He was just deadly. Um, I I think you know if you if you if you take. Um, most of Jay Crowder, Royce O'Neal, Drevko, Exum's minutes, put them towards Gordon Hayward, and then maybe have like one or two of those guys coming off, probably just you know, whichever one you trust the most. That right there is just there's no weaknesses. They don't they go that would be such a top heavy team, but not top heavy in the not 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 Lakers top heavy, where it's LeBron and A D and then everyone else. It's um Philly top heavy. Where the, the top five are the best, you know, it's it's the uh, Ben Simmons, Jay Rich. Am I am I allowed to call Josh Richardson Jay Rich, or is that already taken? Is that is that like permanent reserve for Jason Richardson? It, it might be, it might be that might have been heretical. I apologize, um, but uh, you know Sim, Simmons, uh, Richardson, Tobias, Al, Joel Embiid. That's more what this team would have been like. That would have just been. I mean, between Gordon Hayward, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, those are three, you know, legitimate all-star talents in this year, uh, this 17-18 year. Again, obviously, assuming Hayward could have played the whole year without, you know, a catastrophic injury, he's probably an all-star, even in the West, because he was literally an all-star in the West the year before at age 26. I don't see any reason to expect him not to get better at age 27, given that he had gotten better pretty much every year of his career. But, I mean, this, again, this just would have been such a, that would have been a really good team. Um, just because, and I want to, you know, go back to the, the 17 offseason. The Jazz would have, they wouldn't have had to give anything up to bring back Hayward. 
um, the Rubio, they would have still been able to make the Rubio trade. In fact, they made the Rubio trade before uh, before Hayward left. They also, you know, signed Ingles to an extension before Hayward left. They were making plans, assuming he was going to come back. They did not. They they. It's not like they they didn't end up signing a bunch of guys at the end. Um, it's not like they their backup plan was not really there. It was you know get Hayward or we're just moving on. Um, I just 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 felt like that's worth noting, you know, because if 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 for instance they had gotten Jay Crowder, or, sorry, not Jay Crowder, if they had gotten like Donovan Mitchell because uh, Hayward had left, if they got the thirteenth pick because Hayward had left, well, that's a lot different. Then you're replacing Gordon with Donovan Mitchell. You're not replacing anybody. You're just put, plopping Gordon Hayward on this team pretty much, which that's that is scary. That's scary. Um, problem is though next round they go up against the uh houston rockets in the first year of cp3 and hardens uh tenure together that was the 60 plus win team number one seed you know took the warriors to game seven uh up three two that was that was not a that was not a great series for the jazz they got swept uh they just had nothing no answers versus harden and it's hard to imagine that hayward would have been able to contribute to that um, I don't think Hayward's the type of guy that's trying to guard Harden, so that's still a loss. You know, maybe you give him a victory just because they're such a talented team, they would be able to, uh, you know, cobble together enough points and get enough defensive stops. Uh, you know, the shooters go cold for a game, and you happen to outscore them. I, I think, <laughs> in general, when you're talking about these Rockets, you probably just got to spot the opponent a game. Uh, you know, really even. You know, the, the the Warriors were always like that too. Just 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 spot the opponent a game. It'll be five games. It's just never four. It seems pretty clear to me though that the Jazz are not gonna be beating the Rockets in this uh re- revised version of the playoffs. So we'll move into next season, 2018-19. Uh, obviously this was the previous season. Uh this this so I'm not I'm I'm not really gonna talk about the regular season. It kind of just is whatever. I mean, wh- am I gonna go through and be like, yeah, they so the, I mean, I'll tell you what happened. They finished fifty and thirty two. They were the f- they were the fifth seed again. Um, I don't you know. Let's let's see what 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 were Donovan's stats? Yeah, Donovan put up like twenty four and four assists. Uh, Rudy Rudy had. They're they're good. They're pretty much the same team. They're pretty much the same exact team. Uh, added thirty seven year old Kyle Korver. That's like their one addition. Uh, what I'd like to talk about instead is their playoff playoff run that year. So again, I mentioned they finished once again with the fifth seed, um, and they would once again match up with the Houston Rockets. Uh, however, this was a somewhat different Houston team. Last year's team was just a, a lot more dominant, obviously. Um, this year, they came in as the four seed. You know, um, so obviously Utah saw them in the second round last year as the one seed. This year, saw them as the four seed in the first round. And, you know, this was, they had Carmelo in the beginning of the season. Uh, Chris Paul missed, you know, he, he only played 58 games. Uh, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon both missed 15 or so games. Uh, this was also, they brought in Austin Rivers halfway through the season. It was, you know, a huge addition. Um, yeah, Harden put up 36 points a game, obviously won the MVP. 
was had an incredible, you know, singular offensive performance. Their team was still second in offensive rating, uh, despite the personnel around him being quite limited. But again, the biggest thing, um, especially in terms of this matchup, they lost Trevor Ariza, and Trevor Ariza has certainly not looked particularly great in his last few stops. Uh, obviously, he signed with Phoenix after this, after the 2017-18 offseason. Uh, was then traded to the Wizards and signed with the Kings in free agency. Uh, I mean, he's been fine for all these teams, but again, and he probably would just look look a lot better on the Rockets because he'd probably be doing most of the same thing, except feel a little bit more motivated, and it would be in a winning situation. So it would uh, his his actions would be rewarded, which is I think you can't underestimate how important it is to you know actually be rewarding a guy when they make a good play not not in terms of you give a guy 500 bucks for making a good play just if i make the right pass and then you don't score well i'm not incentivized to make the right pass again that's all i mean there so i think it's very interesting to think about in terms of you know this jazz versus rocket series what does the loss of trevor ariza do because you have to think we are introducing in gordon hayward gordon hayward's like a 6-8 wing you know what the Rockets, the, the Rockets really lost when they lost Trevor Ariza. He was, he was their wing defender. That's what he was. He was the guy that defended LeBron. Uh, sorry, more uh, iconically, obviously, he defended Kevin Durant in the uh, the sixteen the the seventeen eighteen series that went seven games. That was that was huge. I mean, that was a massive part of why they were able to contend with the Warriors. Um, they lost him. They lost him. So they have. Obviously, Daniel House, they have, um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I mean, unless you're trying to put Eric Gordon, Gerald Green on him. I mean, Eric Gordon's a tough guy, but he's 6'3". He's not going to defend, um, he's not going to defend Gordon Hayward. I mean, Chris Paul, again, tough guy, but he's 6'1". Like, you just, you, they don't have any, any real option as a wing defender, uh, or or a forward defender, I would say Gordon Hayward's probably more of a more of a forward than a wing. Um, oh, sorry, I guess they did have James Ennis, so I guess Ennis would be the one that they were uh, probably using that year. Again, though, I mean it's it's James Ennis. Gordon Hayward would have beat James Ennis pretty badly. You, you got to imagine on a night in night out basis. Yeah, I, I just it, it seems like that the Jazz have have been talented, but not quite talented enough for. I think they've been at least as talented as Houston, maybe even slightly more talented just in the aggregate. But just their starters were never more talented than the Rockets starters just because uh, Harden was you know, leagues away better than anyone on the Jazz. As good as Gobert was, Harden was still leagues ahead. Um, when, when you add Gordon Hayward, though, now all of a sudden the Jazz are clearly the more talented team. I mean, it's not even comparable, I would say. Um, whether you're looking at the average player, the average starting player, uh, if you're looking at only best player, yes, the Rockets still win. But even if you're looking at top two players, I mean, Harden and Chris Paul, you know, and this is, this is Chris Paul that's, you know, I would say it's at least a debate, Harden and Chris Paul versus Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert. That's probably a debate. Um, maybe not, but I, I would, I would. I'd say that's a debate. Um, even more so when you go a third guy down. Donovan Mitchell is the Jazz third guy now. You know who the, the, the Rockets third guy is? It's Eric Gordon. 
or Clint Capella. Well, those guys are good, but they're nothing near Donovan Mitchell. Not his peak, at least. Although, you know, Eric Gordon did have some really explosive games uh, in the playoffs. Not really recently as much, though. Uh, let, let, let me just move on, though. The I think the biggest thing here, again, can the Rockets defend Hayward? Um, I mean, Hayward's never been some guy that's just going to exploit one-on-one matchups, but there's a difference between, you know, not being able to exploit an average wing defender and not being able to exploit, like, Eric Gordon when he gets put on you. Like, he's going to be able to shoot over the top of Eric Gordon. He's going to be able to shoot over the top of James Ennis to an extent, um, I, I think. So I, I would be curious to see whether Hayward could take advantage of his matchups in this series. Um, again, the huge, the biggest problem comes down to, are you going to be able to j- defend James Harden? Uh, the odds are not in your favor. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I think it's worth giving him a shot in this series. Uh, so I think if I was going to go back and put odds on it, you know, it's probably something like 70-30 Rockets, just because the Rockets seem to have their number. You know, James Harden just doesn't really lose in the first round. Um, but, I mean, I think the Jazz would have just had so much so much more talent in the aggregate, um, given the the Hayward edition that we're assuming. I think they it would have just been... And again, when you go back and look at that playoffs, so the first couple of games were blowouts... Uh, Houston blew out the Jazz in Houston, uh, held them below 100 points. It was 122 to 90, and then 118 to 98. Not particularly close. The Jazz shot, you know, seven of 27 from three, and then eight of 38. So, like they they str- actually they struggled from three all series. The only game they shot above 30 percent as a team was Game Four, the game they won. It was just you know sort of a gentleman sweep type of game, uh, and even then they went. 31%. So <laughs> they were uh, just towing the line. Um, but they, what they, they, ah, man. Um, so game three, they lost by three points to Houston at home. They shot 29% on threes, 12 of 41. Um, I mean, if one more of those threes goes down, if one little play happens during the game, again, if you add Gordon Hayward, it's probably a win. It's probably a win. And if you go up, uh, sorry, if you are uh, down 1-2, you know, uh, going into game four on your own home court, that's fine, man. That's fine. People do that all the time. You know? You, what you're doing is holding home court. You lost two away. You you win a game at home. That's fine. You've held. You, you know, if you're... If you're the um, underdog, you know the lower, sorry, the higher seeded team. Eventually, you're gonna have to win on the road, but you don't have to do it till game seven if you don't want to, uh, or if you don't happen to. But when you lose that third game, you go down zero to three. It's just, it's never been done in the NBA where someone's come back from that. It's, it's virtually unheard of across sports to come back from a three-game deficit. Um, I mean, this certainly wasn't the team that was gonna do it either. But I have no doubt in my mind that if that if the Jazz win that game three, they probably win game four. They probably make that a, you know a, a real series, um, even without Hayward. I don't know. I they probably still don't win it. They just have seemed to struggle with Harden so much that um, I, I struggle to predict them in aggregate. But if they got you know if they added Hayward to this mix, 
I don't think it's unreasonable. I mean, they, that's just so much more offensive talent and offensive production that you're adding. It would have been really hard for the Rockets to match their game-in, game-out production, as, as, as amazing as that is to say. Um, let's, let's, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, though, even if they do win, they probably don't, but, you know, it, everyone remembers the next series the Rockets lost to Golden State. Um, Jazz were not going to beat Golden State, so it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, even after KD goes out, even after KD goes out, you know, it's just not really, it's not really that feasible. You know, maybe if Gordon Hayward was like a dominant one-on-one guy uh, against mismatches, and now that KD is out, he can just tear up whoever's guarding him. Um, unfortunately, he's not really that kind of guy, so uh, that's fine, though. I think, I think uh, you know, the playoffs pretty much would have gone the same way for the Jazz. I think that's sort of the... Sort of the thing I've I've realized looking back on it. Maybe they win that Rocket series. Maybe, but even then, uh, sorry, the, maybe they win the second Rocket series. It's possible, but even then they still probably sorry. Even then they absolutely still lose to the Warriors. Um, so you know, if anything, they get an extra series win. But, but you know, it's kind of whatever in the grand scheme of things. Um, as for this season. They would definitely not be able to sign Bogdanovich. They, they just wouldn't have salary room. Uh, actually, I, I meant to research this and I forgot. I'm not sure if they would be able to make that Mike Conley deal. Um, just first of all, they might feel more comfortable as Donovan Mitchell as the point guard if Gordon Hayward is still on your team. I mean, it's kind of similar to, to having a guy like Jamal Murray be your point guard in Denver because you've got Jokic at center, who is such an offensive facilitator that you know, okay, our team's going to be fine. Um, even if our point guard is a substandard play initiator, I think you can you can say a similar thing with Gordon Hayward, and you can feel very comfortable putting Donovan at point guard. Um, so maybe they don't even feel incentivized to make the Conley trade. You know, maybe, maybe they're just maybe they don't see that as a need. But um, I, I'm not sure if they could. You know, I, I kind of feel like they must have used some cap space in that maneuver because it was. It's not like they sent out a ton of salary. It was like Jay Crowder and Grayson Allen and a first-round pick. I don't think they totally matched the salary. So um, I would be interested to know if they could still make that. I think definitely, though, they they would not have been able to pick up Bogdanovich. And I think it's been very clear this year that Bogdanovich is, you know, an, an, he's, he's an impact starter is the way I like to quantify it, you know. You've got, like... Uh, you know, fringe starters who are guys that they're starters on some teams, but, you know, on good teams where you've got a good starter, he's probably a backup. Uh, so, guys, you know, a fringe starter. He starts some teams, he's bad on his bench on some. You've got impact starters, who I think start on pretty much any team. But more uh, more importantly, they're just they're, – they're a player you know is going to contribute. They're not just an average starter. They are not quite a star, but on some nights they'll give you star value. Uh, that's the way I would put it. They they range from starter value, maybe maybe you know high end rotation value to star value on certain games or on certain situations or on certain plays. Um, I think the big thing, <laughs> looking at especially the nineteen twenty season, uh, but even the last two playoffs runs, I don't think it makes a big difference for Utah if Gordon Hayward stays or leaves. It doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, it's not like they're winning that many more playoff games. 
I don't think they're going to win that many more regular season games. I think what you would really point to is obviously Utah drafting Donovan Mitchell um, is the key contributor, but uh, all the other moves they've made as well, you know, obviously this year picking up Bogdanovich, uh, Conley, but, you know, even before then with the moves they were making on the margins, uh, you know, Royce O'Neal was, was, was a fringe player a couple of years ago, and now he's a key rotation piece that, Supposed to be like their wing stopper in the playoffs. I mean, he's, you know, they've they've done a lot of bringing in guys and developing guys and putting guys in good roles. I mean, obviously getting Donovan Mitchell is the, the biggest thing there, which no one could have really seen coming um, until it happened. But I think the big thing, you know, I don't really see where Hayward makes a, a massive change to their, you know, to their plans or to how their team panned out. In fact. Um, you might even say it's, uh, I, I would actually, I would say, no, there's, I don't think there's an argument that they're better off without Hayward. Uh, it's hard to see that because it's not like they opened up a bunch of space that they used on guys. That was the thing I mentioned earlier, you know, if they had, you know, traded Hayward for the number 13 pick and then picked Donovan Mitchell, well, okay, what you've done is you've traded Gordon Hayward at age 26 for Donovan Mitchell at age 20. So, you know, this, this sort of revising of history is not that interesting because you're just kind of swapping the players. That's not the case in this situation. You're sort of just adding Hayward on top, uh, you know, until this year with Bogdanovich and Conley, which is uh, actually kind of, you know, why I'm saying I don't think they uh, end up that much better because, you know, these last two years, they, they did good. I don't think they would do that much better with Hayward the last couple of years. They weren't beating Houston in 17-18, and they weren't beating the Warriors in 18-19, so I don't know where else they would have gone. Uh, and then this year, Bogdanovich has been awesome. I mean, Hayward would be you know, a great piece if they had him too, but it's not like they need him. Um, I, I, I really don't think it would have been that huge of a deal. In retrospect, if Utah had kept Gordon Hayward. So next, I did want to hit on the other other possibility here. That, that is not. I'm not going to go relitigate what could have happened with Boston if the injury hadn't occurred. You know, I'm just that that feels too muddied to me. Um, that feels like you're just sort of. To be honest, I just don't really know how to do it. Um, I don't feel comfortable going in there and trying to predict that. It feels just a little. Feels a little weird. Um, this honestly just makes more sense to me to think about the teams that he didn't go to. You know, and I bet part of that is because you know, we saw him get injured in a Boston jersey, so um, it's, it's harder to imagine a scenario in which that didn't occur you know, because it did occur, and it occurred with them. So you know, it almost feels easier to sort of imagine what would have happened if he was on a different team um, to not imagine the injury having occurred, which, again, I think doing this this exercise, assuming the injury occurred, it's just not as interesting, um, to me personally at least. So the other case I want to bring up, not if he, he if he did not not leave for Boston and if he'd still decided to uh, depart from Utah, his third option was to join the Miami Heat and Pat Riley. I thought that actually would have been the most interesting choice he could have made. So when you go through it, um, 
obviously that 2017 offseason was a big offseason for the Heat. They created a max cap space. Um, again, this is a few years even further back, you know. This was the Heatles Heat, uh, the, or sorry, the Heatles LeBron era Heat had um, broken apart in 2014 when LeBron left to go back to Cleveland. Um, I mean, this was a team that was only a couple years away from having, uh, you know, a couple titles. Uh, they had been competing for titles just a couple of years ago. Um, Dwayne Wade had left, I, I think last, yeah, probably in the 16 offseason, got a massive contract from Chicago, $30 million a year. And then obviously, um, Chris Bosh had the blood clots, had to retire prematurely. The Heat, though, through all of that, you know, the season before, I think that was probably the 13. And yeah, that was the season they started like 11 and 30 um, on the year. You know, looked like one of the worst teams in the league. And then on the back, on the shoulders of like Deion Waiters and James Johnson, uh, they carried the team to like a 31 and. I think it was a. I think they went eleven and thirty to start the year, and then thirty and eleven to close the year, barely missing the playoffs at the very. I think it was the last game of the year they missed the playoffs, um, but you know showed a ton of promise down the end. Um, in the twenty seventeen off season, though, the Heat had managed to create max cap space, and they wanted to go big game hunting. The big game on the market, um, the first one actually you heard mentioned a ton was Blake Griffin, which. God, what a disaster that would have been. Um, probably not as interesting of a what-if for the Heat to do that, though. Though, you know, that may certainly be one to look at in the future. Um, the whole Blake Griffin situation and how he departed from the Clippers. You know, if he departed on his own, a lot different. If he hadn't been, if, if they hadn't made the Detroit trades, a lot different, too, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, but the Heat in 2017... Uh, we're not able to sign Blake Griffin because he obviously re-signed with the Clippers on a max deal. Uh, so instead, they were on the market for Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was the other uh, clear max guy on the table. You know, the biggest thing, though, if the Heat had managed to sign Gordon Hayward, honestly, is it's almost not even getting Gordon Hayward. It's the fact that they would have avoided making the moves that they did, which involves paying James Johnson something like four years, $64 million, and Deion Waiters to something like four years, $52 million, and Kelly Olenek to like four years, $50 million. So those those guys are all making something like 13 to $16 million this year. Um, I mean, Olenek's like a – I think he's still a, a solid rotation piece, you know, part of a center rotation. I mean, the other two guys don't play. The other two guys are dead salary. I mean, Deion Waiters is literally like one of the one of the least tradable assets in the NBA. I mean, there there are virtually no players who are less desirable to have on your team than Deion Waiters. I mean, eef, eef. Uh, but so 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 I'm I'm not even I'm gonna sort of. Skip. I'm not even gonna do the regular seasons for the Heat. I'm just gonna talk about their playoff runs because that, that's what's most interesting, right? That's why you try to sign a guy like Gordon Hayward for the playoffs. I mean, regular season's fine and all, but we're trying to win the playoffs. So, uh, in this first year in 17-18, uh, that that was the year they went up against Philly. That was Philly's first year of winning. It was the 50 game year. 
uh, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons rookie year actually, uh, or Ben Simmons not a rookie year. Uh, so Philly, Philly though, Philly was clearly the better team. I mean, they just had way more talent. You know, they had JJ Redick, uh, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. It was just way too good. Uh, this was Robert Covington and Dario Sarge still as well. So it's really tough to imagine. Um, you know, maybe if the Heat had uh, if the Heat had get Hayward, it would have been a better series. Um, I think the big thing really is you just would have tried to win more games and get a higher seed. Um, but, I mean, the Heat were the sixth seed. The Sixers were the third seed. So if the Heat won more games and got the fifth or even the fourth seed, uh, they would have been playing the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. So it probably would not have made a massive difference um, whether or not Gordon Hayward was on that roster. Next year, though, the 18-19 season, that obviously uh, was Dwayne Wade's final year. Uh, D. Wade had returned in the middle of the previous year, uh, sort of left the Cavs and came back to the Heat. Um D-Wade was big this year, though. It was sort of the D-Wade retirement show. But the Heat, I mean, the Heat were a solid team as well. And D-Wade was helping them win games. Um, he was their clutch guy down the end. Bam Adebayo and Justice Winslow were a lot better this year. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Ellington really fell off a cliff, unfortunately. And Dion and James Johnson were showing really uh, a, lot, a lot of signs of decline, to be certain. And James Johnson, even in 17-18, started to look a little shakier. But... This year, that both of those guys were, you know, not necessarily the most reliable. I mean, James played 55 games and Dion only played 44. So, you know, I mean, it was it, it, that that was a lot of money tied up in guys that were not producing. So, um, I think this is the year where. So I think last year you got good value, not good, but you got decent value out of waiters. You got decent value out of James Johnson. This year, though, having Hayward replace those guys is like. I mean, it's 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 so refreshing. It is such a huge change, very big uh, impact on how this team is going to play. I think the problem is um, they they're pretty much going to be the same in the playoffs. <laughs> they're, they're not that much different of a playoff team. Um, and for the record, the Heat you know didn't make the playoffs last year. They finished thirty nine and forty three, but uh, you know. I think if they had Hayward, they're probably more like a 45-1 team, maybe even high 40s. Uh, I think Hayward with this with this group would certainly... I think if you add Hayward to this group, they're winning 10, 12 more games. You know, Josh Richardson was the fulcrum of their offense, and Josh Richardson is not should not be the fulcrum of your offense. I mean, that's just not what... That's not where his strengths lie. Um, so I, I think they would have won 47-something games, but problem is still probably losing the playoffs. I mean, unless really you can get up to like the three seed, which that was the Sixers with 51 wins. Uh, even even at the four seed, you're still going up against the Pacers with Oladipo. Um, and, and, you know, the top four seeds, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston last year were all pretty lethal. It's hard to imagine the Heat would have even won a series last year. Um, you know, I, in that 47 number that I'm saying, I think Hayward would have, I think they would have been happy for Hayward to get them up to 47 wins that year. That, that would be that's pretty optimistic, I would say. That's still the sixth seed. So you know what's happening? They're going up against the Sixers again. Uh, probably still not winning it. Uh, what's really interesting, though, what's really interesting is when we look at this year, what would it look like this year 
if they still had Gordon Hayward on that roster, or if they had Gordon Hayward on that roster, that would be intriguing. Now, I think the first thing you have to think about, um, is it still possible to pull off the Jimmy Butler trade if they have Gordon Hayward? It's more difficult. It's more difficult. They're not able to just send Josh Richardson. Um, the reason they were able to do that, I, I assume at least, they uh, they probably created cap space when they traded um, Hassan Whiteside for Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless and then traded Mo Harkless on. It's possible, though, that they were just opening up like an exception to take uh, Butler's salary into. Actually, you know what? Butler was only getting paid like $16 million on his last deal, so maybe that's where the trade... Huh. Anyways, I think the thing is, um, even if you're being conservative and assuming that trade wasn't working with matching salary, which I don't think it was because I assume uh, with a sign-in trade, you have to consider the new salary. Uh, That's generally how the NBA works. But, you know, even still, what you're going to have to do is send back uh, Jay Rich, or, or, or if you have to trade more guys to sign Jimmy to his extension, I guess the point in all of this, it is feasible. It's absolutely feasible to have Gordon Hayward on your roster and still make that uh, Jay Rich for Jimmy Butler trade. You have to, you know, it's going to be different, and it probably involves giving up uh, an extra first rounder or some sort of asset um, to get to get off of some salary. But if they manage to do that, you know, and, and assuming that asset is something like, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm talking like hopefully that I don't even know if they have any first rounders left. So maybe it would have to be one of the young guys like Winslow. But you know, I think if they gave Winslow up, this team's still looking pretty awesome. Um, let's imagine, though, that they managed to do it without giving one up. Okay. They, they just have Hayward on this roster. And then all of a sudden, bam, Jimmy Butler sign a trade for Josh Richardson. Um, that team scary that's a scary team yeah this this heat team has i mean it's it's got a lot of new contributors this year um with kendrick nine tyler hero coming in uh, duncan robinson played some last year but he's been you know he's he started 35 games playing 27 minutes a game i mean he's like their fourth best player this year uh bam out has been a in my opinion has been an all-star um this this team has been a lot better. So let's just picture for a second. Let's picture what's your lineup, what's your closing lineup with Gordon Hayward on this Heat team. So you've got at point guard, probably not Goran Dragic, right? You're probably going to play either Nunn or Tyler Hero, I would imagine. Um, then you're going to have Jimmy Butler at shooting guard. You're going to have Gordon Hayward, uh, sorry, you probably have probably have Duncan Robinson at small forward, Gordon Hayward at power forward, Bam Adebayo at center. Maybe, maybe, you know what you could also do? Oh my god. Think about so what's really interesting about this is you've got six or seven guys that could be in that closing lineup. So think about this. Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Justice Winslow, Gordon Hayward, Bam Adebayo. Who's scoring on that? Who was scoring on that lineup? That's Philly-esque. Think about that for a second. Jimmy Butler as your point guard with Justice Winslow, 
Duncan Robinson, I mean, he's not the best defender in the world, but he's 6'8", and, like, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's no punk. And then you've got, you know, again, uh, Hayward's not an amazing defender, but he's no punk. And Bam Adebayo is your glue piece. I mean, those are just, those are five guys that are not going to get bullied by virtually anybody. Um, and when a guy like LeBron comes in and he is bullying you, you know what you can do with those guys? Double. Or, you know, you, you've got you've got a lot of athleticism between Bam, Winslow, uh, Butler. I mean, those are really athletic guys. Like, couple, you know, a couple of really long guys. It's like, and a fantastic mix of offense and defense, too. I mean, you can imagine that being, like, the last five, seven minutes of a game closing lineup, not just the last minute of a game. I... <laughs> I, I'm really intrigued by that. I, I think that'd be awesome. Um, you know, and the thing is, if you have if you have Hayward, you feel a lot better about moving Drogic. So maybe, you know, this summer they, there was the Dallas deal that sort of fell through to trade space where they were going to trade Drogic. Maybe you just do that instead. Um, I mean, think about just a big three of Gordon Hayward, Jimmy Buckets, and Bam Adebayo. That's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, this is... If if they have Gordon Hayward this year, they're a title contender. They are a title contender. I mean, because who are you taking off the team? You're cutting out 20 minutes a game with Kelly Olenek? That's it. Uh, I mean, James Johnson's played 10 minutes. Sorry. James Johnson has played 10 games, 13 minutes. So, like, 140 minutes total. I mean, if you add... Gordon Hayward to this team, you're pretty much just adding him. There's virtually no replacement. So I think this team would just I think they would just they would um they would be not quite on the Bucks level, but they would be the tier below the Bucks. And there would be nobody else in the East in their tier. I don't think the Sixers would look as good as this. So I mean look at how the Sixers have looked so far in the regular season. Heck, compare the rosters of that Heat team versus the Sixers team. I, I almost would argue Miami has more talent. In fact, I would argue Miami would have more talent. I think, you know, the, so I ended I ended the Utah section with a bit of a, you know, takeaway. I think the takeaway here is Miami, Miami really could use Gordon Hayward. Utah, Utah rebounded from the situation, but man, Miami really could have used Gordon Hayward. And it's even, you know, it's even more interesting because obviously, the Heat have turned the ship around eventually. Uh, I think the difference with Utah is they instantly turned around the ship because they picked they picked Donovan Mitchell right away. They didn't, you know, they didn't re- they didn't they didn't make moves. Uh, they didn't they didn't do any of the James Johnson Dion Waiters moves. It ended up that uh, the Joe Ingles exception, uh, sorry, extension worked out very well, and Rubio's the Rubio trade worked out well. So they didn't get screwed. Uh, with the bad, they didn't screw themselves by signing bad contracts just because they didn't get the guy they wanted. The Heat, the Heat screwed themselves with bad contracts because they didn't get the guy they wanted. Uh, and now, two years later, they have pretty much moved on from that and are, are once again like probably a top four team in the East. Uh, and that's pretty incredible. But also, you know, and I, I've spoken a bunch about you know, uh, it's it's one thing if you are just. It's one thing if you're replacing a guy that's productive and being very productive in his place. It's a whole other thing if we're just adding you on top. And that's the beauty. Um, 
both of these situations, you're really sort of just adding him on top. But the Heat, it's not because they didn't make mistakes to get there. The Heat have just managed to make all these mistakes and then recover from them. I mean, they've still got them on the books or whatever. It's just that they've managed to pivot enough to be good. But imagine what would happen if they hadn't made the... Imagine if they'd gotten Hayward instead. You know, because then they wouldn't have been able to make those those bad deals they made. You know, Utah, they didn't get Hayward, yes, they didn't get the positive, but they also didn't get any negative ramifications from him leaving. The Heat not only didn't get Hayward, but got a like $40 million in negative value contracts instead. So that's why I, I, I really see, going back and looking, the Heat as the team that would most benefit uh, in a what if Gordon Hayward had signed with your team scenario, and by golly, I mean, I, this team, that team, the Heat team with Gordon Hayward, Jimmy Butler, Bam, Justice Winslow, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. I mean, Myers Leonard is a perfectly fine player. You know, uh, Derek Jones Jr. That team is gonna win a lot of games. That team is going to compete against a lot of teams. And that team can match up against a lot of teams. That is a versatile team. I talked earlier, you know, uh, about sort of some of the lineups you can roll out there. But it's they're, they're almost too deep at every spot. But it's it's more like they're, they're deep at every spot. And they have, like, one in between, too. So, like, they've got, you know, they, they've just got guys that can fill in everywhere. Um, and do a good job of it. So I think I've gone for enough on this episode. Um, I found this pretty interesting. Uh, I'll have to work on the format in the future. This, this was a little rambly, but I did, I did find it interesting. I, I certainly had fun doing it. I, I hope you all had fun listening. Um, you know, I think it's just really interesting to think about this sort of stuff. I mean, Gordon Hayward obviously has not had the impact on the Celtics that I, I think anybody would have hoped going into that contract, but I mean, he was an all-star at age 26 going into the prime of his career. He could have made a massive impact. Uh, and, you know, I think it's fun to go back and think, well, what if Utah had managed to keep him? What if the Heat had gotten him? And in doing that, we can analyze not only what could have happened, but see what happened instead and that gives us sort of a benchmark to evaluate what happened instead upon, right? Because here's this alternate universe that could have happened. Well, you didn't hit the alternate universe. What did you do instead? In Utah's case, well, they weren't able to sign Hayward. It's not like you can really fault them for that. What did they do instead? Well, I would say they recovered quite well. Um, the Heat didn't get Hayward. What did they do instead? I would say uh, signed a few bad contracts. But, you know, still managed to fight back from it. I think that's the real takeaway you have from this. It's not, oh man, I really wish the Heat had Gordon Hayward. It's, oh, that's really interesting, you know. Uh, just thinking about how the Heat screwed up after not getting Hayward, but also seeing how quickly they've recovered to an extent. But, but at the same time, if you hadn't screwed up in the in the first place, you could be even further at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm running on fumes at this point. Again, though, I had a ton of fun with this. Uh, I hope you all enjoy listening. I hope you all enjoying the podcast. If you are, make sure to subscribe uh, to keep up with future episodes. 
Uh, make sure to leave a rating or review if you enjoyed. As always, have a wonderful day. It's been a pleasure. Peace out, y'all.